Good afternoon. Amen. How many of you guys carry around with you a rear view mirror? Just carry it with you. Everywhere you go. Have you ever noticed some of the rear view mirrors in our vehicles are this size? Why? How come you and I look in our rearview mirror all the time with something we've regretted in the past? You ever done that? Why do we do that? Do we want to turn loose? Why do we talk about it? Anybody here own a pickup? And whenever you have a pickup, isn't that true, Rifle? When you have a pickup, then you find out who your friends are. I don't know if Rifle's ever done this, but I, I know how to do this. I know, I know how to load my pickup full of trash. And I'm going to the place where I'm going to dump it, and guess what I do in between picking it up and going to the dump? Guess what I do? Guess what I don't do? What else? I let, it, I let it blow all over the place. Have you ever been driving down the road and somebody lost their limbs, lost something and from, their, from the trailer or the pickup and they don't, they don't pick it up? One of, my, one of my fun trips with my pickup whenever I had a mattress and a box springs. I've told you this story so you won't forget it. I'm going to tell you again. And I'm on the interstate where it's, there's no place to turn around. And the traffic's going how fast? And so I'm cruising along there. And all of a sudden, I look in my rearview mirror and I notice that I lost my mattress. There's no way, there's not even a place to pull off side of the road for another between here and the river bridge. That river bridge. So I finally find a place to pull over, but there's no place to... Cross because the median is not available where I can turn around, go back there, and get that mattress that's on that interstate. And as I'm looking in my rearview mirror, guess what I'm watching? Some of them are swerving, and most of them are what? They're breaking that dude in. Do you think I told the people that story whenever I delivered that mattress to them? They didn't care anyway. They was thankful to have what I was delivering. But how many times you and I, and it took me a while to get back there to get that mattress to pick it up, people had stopped and say, hey, sir, you lost your mattress. I didn't need to tell them. I didn't need to tell them why I couldn't get back there. They should have known. <clears throat> but that's all right. But how many times we look in a rearview mirror and we see some things that we regret and some trash that we need to get rid of. And sometimes as we look back, we regret that. Said, man, I wish I'd have done different on that situation. You know what's really fun? Is to talk about your mistakes. It's a blast to talk about your mistakes. But what about if I turn it and let's talk about my mistakes? Is that any fun? And that the same deal of looking in the past and say, hey, I'm going to bring up all your trash. 
How enjoyable is that? And you say, hey, Babbitt, the door you came in, you better find out how to get out of here. That's really what we're saying on the inside because we don't like people bringing up our trash and our mistakes. But today we want to look at how do we get past the trash and the regrets and all the mistakes we've made back there and, and start moving and marching forward. We're going to share some lessons to help us today. Let's, let's pray and talk to God. <clears throat> Father, we're blessed because we get to adore you and we get to praise you. We're blessed because you're our Heavenly Father. And we're blessed because you chose us as your, your children. And God, thank you for protecting us that we could be here today. You know, sometimes we make some mistakes, and that's usually every day with me. But in making those mistakes, we know that your blood covers and your, your sacrifice of your son covers those mistakes. And I want to realize, Father, how much freedom I have because of your son, because of your commitment of giving your son to us. And I want to honor that, God. And I don't want to look to the past and because of the mistakes I've made of, of dwelling on those mistakes and those regrets and keep thinking about them and keep living like it. Because I want to live as a man of freedom and a man of peace and a man of joy because of what you've done for all of us. Help us, God, to walk in the light and let our light shine every day to your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. In Psalm 31, we see David is uh, talking about his iniquities, his past, his ugly, ugliness, and he says in Psalm 31, verse 9, Have mercy on me, Lord, for I am in distress. One of the scriptures says, For all of my iniquities, in another translation. But notice how he describes his grief right here in this text. Tears blur my eyes. I'll never forget visiting the juvenile detention center, juvie center. <clears throat> and I watched this individual as I'm reading the scripture because I'm trying to convict them of their sin, of let the word of God convict them of their sin, and I'm not exaggerating, and I kept getting tissue, and I'd find more tissue, and there was a stack of Kleenex that high of their tears weeping because of the past and the regrets and the ugliness that took place in their life and trying to build that relationship of trust in the Lord. Probably the only thing that happened during that time was developing a relationship of trust because their life had been torn so much because of people they couldn't trust. And anytime someone would show up, they didn't trust them. They didn't trust them because they knew that person was going to hurt them or they were going to get hurt in that time. And how often in our lives, we've seen that in the past of our lives because I've been hurt and I'm not going there and don't talk to me about it. That's David right here. And David, as he describes his grief, tears blur my eyes. My body and soul are withering away. I am dying from grief. My years are shortened by sadness. Sin has drained my strength. I'm wasting away from within. 
Verse 11, I am scorned by all my enemies and despised by my neighbors. Even my friends are afraid to come near me. And when they see me on the street, they run the other way. I am ignored as if I were dead, as if I were a broken pot. The Lord says, the next time you run, stop. The next time you are down like David is, you stop. And you look at the mistakes. And how do you learn and grow from those mistakes instead of dwelling on those mistakes? And smelling like those mistakes. And living like those mistakes. And you stop and learn and grow because... And one of the things that we don't like is the consequences will never go away. But yet, we've got somebody that's going to walk with us through those consequences. Now let's go to the book of Joel. The prophet Joel. Joel is addressing a nation that is doomed because of their disobedience. Their rejection of the Father... And here Joel is living with a disobedient people. You and I know what that's like, of living with a disobedient people. But notice what what happens in our text as we read, because they do not repent. And you know what repentance means? There's a turning, a turning from, instead of dwelling on the past and regretting that ugliness and that nastiness, but that turning and that true repentance. And that's where we come in. We get to repent and turn from that. Notice in Joel chapter 1 verse 3. Tell your children about it years to come. You know why he says that? Because he said, I want your kids to know how bad it is here, how ugly it is here. I don't want you to repeat what your mama has done, your dad has done, somebody else has done. I want you to see how destructive it is going on because of our lack of repentance and our disobedience. Let your children tell your children. Pass the story down from generation to generation. Notice in verse 4. I want you to remember three, three thoughts as we look in Joel. Number one, we've got locusts coming. We've got a drought and we've got a fire. Locusts, drought, and fire. And if you'll picture with me as I continue reading this text, uh, have you ever had a helicopter come over your house? How high up are they? What if there's about 10 of those helicopters? How loud would that be? Just picture that. Here comes the locusts. And it sounds like a bunch of helicopters coming after. And they can travel 100 miles in that cluster, that swarm of locusts. How big is a locust? They're not very big. But that locust, can you imagine for a swarm how large they are and how huge and how what that what that sounds like. That's what's taking place right here in Joel chapter 1. Verse 4. After the cutting locusts finish eating the crops. The cutting locusts. They're the ones that cut the leaves off. The leaves fall to the ground. Okay, they spend their time and then they, they chew on the, on, the, on the fresh, young stalk. And so can you imagine that machinery coming through there and all the locusts and they're chewing all these leaves and they're falling to the ground. The next one is called the swarming locusts. And look what they left. The swarming locusts are on the ground eating the leaves. The next one are the hopping locusts. 
They come in and take care of what the swarming and the cutting locusts, they don't take care of. Now the stripping locusts, they're eating the bark. So what does it look like when this machinery of locusts comes through? What does it look like to the land? Devastation. Joel is there trying to get these people to repent, and he said, locusts are coming, there's a drought coming, and there's a fire coming, but you guys need to what? Need to repent. And here's a great time in our nation, in our country, in our world for people to repent because what's going on? I mean, we've got something going on. And none, I haven't heard anybody say they love it. And I haven't heard anybody say, man, we need to get to the Lord because we've got locusts coming. We've got a drought coming. We've got sickness coming. We've got death coming. And we want to be what? I talked to a clown this morning and said we had eight deaths last week. Eight deaths. I didn't ask him what kind. He said, I, I'm going to do the funeral service for one of them tomorrow. Eight deaths. This is a small, small community. But you think about it. But how many people are ready to meet their Lord at that whatever that age is going to be? Do you know what time you're going to go home? Do you know what time you're going to take your last breath? Then I want to be ready. I want to encourage you to be ready because the locusts are coming. Maybe I shouldn't have said that. But we know death is coming. That is for sure. Death is coming our way. Verse 7. It has destroyed my grapevines, ruined my fig trees, stripping their bark and destroying it, leaving the branches white and bare. Verse 12. The grapevines have dried up. Fig trees have withered. Palm granite trees, palm trees, apple trees, and all the fruit trees have dried up. And a people's joy has dried up with them. The seeds die in the parched ground. The grain crops fail. The barns stand empty and granaries are abandoned. Verse 18, how the animals moan with hunger. The herds of cattle wander about confused because they have no pasture. The flocks of sheep and goats bleat in misery. Verse 19, Lord, help us. The fire has consumed the wilderness pastures and flames have burned up all the trees. Even the wild animals cry out to you because the streams have dried up and fire has consumed the wilderness pastures. You know what Joel's talking about here? He's talking about life. Is that true? He's talking about the very life that we live. Locusts, drought, and fire. And if you and I live long enough, we'll probably see some more. You know what kind of business we need to be in? We need to be in a soul winning business. What's this guy doing talking about? Think souls. Thanks, R.C., for reminding us. Thinking souls of how many people that know zero about God about the cross, about salvation, about hope, and about peace. I visit with a family twice a month to study the Word. And I ask, I said, what's your prayer? Every time, every time, same request, one word, peace. You know what I'm going to ask next time? When are you going to seek the one who gives the peace that passeth all understanding instead of living with a locust? Because what are the locusts going to do? What's the drought going to do? What's the fire going to do? How come there's always fire going on in California? 
I wonder if anybody out there needs to repent. But see, I can talk about California. What about right here in my circle? Anybody in my circle needs to repent to encourage somebody to obey the gospel because of the cross and the price that he paid for us. Now we move to the book of Exodus and we talk about Moses. Go back to the days of Moses and he delivers the people from their bondage. Notice in Exodus chapter 10, verse 3, Moses, Aaron went to Pharaoh. What kind of clown was Pharaoh? Not a good one. And that's putting it mildly, isn't it, big bad? This is what the Lord, the God of Hebrews says. How long? Notice the next line. How long will you refuse to submit to me? Verse 4, if you refuse, watch out. For tomorrow, I'm going to bring what? How many plagues did he give? Ten times. I asked my buddy that I talked to this morning. He said, I've watched the water. I said, did you see it turn to blood? I hadn't happened yet, but it might happen with us. How do we know? Locusts have already come, haven't they? And oh, who wouldn't listen? And Moses is saying, here's all these plagues. And what did Pharaoh do? Two things that Pharaoh never did. He never repented. He never listened. He never submitted. Never listened. And he never submitted. How huge is that? That we've done the same thing, probably. All right, let's keep reading. If you refuse, listen, verse 5, they'll cover the land. You won't be able to see the ground. They will devour what little is left of your crops after the what? Hailstorm, including all the trees growing in the fields. They will overrun your palaces and the homes of your officials and all the houses in Egypt. Never in the history of Egypt have your ancestors seen a plague like this one. And with that, Moses turned and left Pharaoh. You remember what I said earlier? Two areas that Pharaoh committed. He didn't listen. Didn't listen. Refused to submit. Both are required for us in repentance is to submit and to listen. I've told you a number of times about my buddy tried to get me to take a class at a university. And the name of the class, The Art of Listening. Billy, me and you are going to sign up for this one. (laughs) But they never offered the class. In a college... You have to have so many students before they can offer the class to pay for the professor, pay for everything. Nobody has signed up enough to have the class. What does that say about us? We don't want to. We don't want to learn how to listen. How many times you and I will be telling a story, and then somebody else, then whoever I'm talking to, they're going to come back with another story, and they never, they didn't even hear my story. I'm pouring my heart out with a guy and I find then I look at his desk and he's got a book like not a bible he's got a book behind his desk that he's reading while I'm pouring my heart out I got up and left he didn't even know I left is that the way you and I listen that's the way Pharaoh was do we really 
listen with our heart and with our mind. Now let's go back to Joel. Remember, we're still dragging the trash. We're dragging all that debris. We didn't tie it down good enough. I didn't tie that mattress down good enough. And I'm just laughing, having a good time. I'm going to go back there and get that sucker, and I'm going to load it up. We're going to try it again. But I'm not going to be all that concerned about it. But I'm going to clean up my mess. But I'm not going to dwell in the mess. All right, Joel chapter 2, verse 3. Fire burns in front of them. Flames follow after them, and ahead of them the land lies as beautiful as the Garden of Eden. Behind them is nothing but desolation. Not one thing escapes. They look like horses. They charge forward like war horses. Look at them as they leap along the mountaintops. Listen to the noise they make, like the rumbling of chariots, like the roar of fire sweeping across a field of stubble or like a mighty army moving in the battle. Verse 25, the Lord says, I'll give you back what? Now what I want you to do is, that next line says, I'll give you back what? I want you to put your name there. I'll give you back, Babbitt, what was lost, swarming locusts, the hopping locusts, the stripping locusts, the cutting locusts. It was I who sent the great destroying army. You know when he restores, when you and I decide to get rid of our stubbornness and our pride and our resistance and our deaf ear and our hard heart, then he restores. Not until, and that, of course, we're talking about repentance here, aren't we? The question is, how do you and I do it? How do we do it? How do we get past the debris? Three principles on our paper. Number one, start. What's that last word on that statement? So what do we do? We rationalize if it wasn't for him, if it wasn't for her, if she hadn't, if he hadn't, she did, they did, well, and we, so we rationalize. And we haven't done anything with starting to change the debris. I, I made the mess. Now I'm going to start and I'm going to clean it up. Because it's easy to put something off, isn't it? You remember the story of the procrastinating club, don't you? They never met. Isn't that true? Because we're, we know how to procrastinate. You know, I did what was wrong. But what am I going to do to change that, to get rid of my stubbornness, to get rid of my pride, and get rid of my selfishness? Do it tomorrow. Verse 12 that is why the Lord says, turn to me now. You hear that word start? Turn to me now while there's time. Give me your what? Hearts. I remember, I remember somebody filled out a card that we pass around that is, that's available. Praise and prayer and request. And said, I need help to get my heart right. I need help to return to the Lord. Man, that's powerful, isn't it? That is powerful. Number two, return. Return without reservation. All right, let me read verse 13. Don't tear your clothing in your grief, but tear 
your hearts instead. You know why we usually don't like to go to a doctor? What kind of doctor you want to go to? One that's going to tell the truth or one that's going to... Because you want to get it corrected, get it taken care of. Some of you old people out there have had colonoscopies. I love that term, don't you? I love everything that goes with it. That's always exciting. And so the doctor says you have 14 polyps in there, but I'm going to just get two of them. Because a polyp represents next stage after polyp is what? Cancer. Do you want that doctor to leave any of them? Do you want him to tell you, he said, well, you had 14, I just took two of them because, hey, we'll worry about it. We'll look, uh, 10 years from now, we'll take a look at it. What kind of doctor do you want to, you want to go to that guy? God is advising us to get rid of your hard heart and your selfishness and your pride and your demanding doing it your way instead of God's way. Are there other people involved? They are. Every time there's other people involved. Return, he says, give me your hearts. And that admission, no blame. Whenever my wife and I had children at home, we have two children, and so me and my wife and two children, so I blame, anytime something happened, I could blame three people. And we had a dog. Now that we just, me and Blondie, now I just blame one. How far do you think that gets me? How come y'all agree? <laughs> so the blaming doesn't work at my house, does it? So every time that I go outside, it's snow, and I'm going to get some grass on my shoes, and I'm going to bring, what am I going to bring inside? Water mud, and grass. And somebody says, I can see every step you... I said, that's you, Blondie. Did it work to blame her? What does God want? He wants me to own up. He wants me to be honest. He wants me to participate in what he wants done instead of allowing the locusts to come in and the drought to come in. And... The, Without any reservations, get her done. Number three, repent. Notice it says, without hesitation. Verse 15 through 17. Blow the ram's horn in Jerusalem. Announce a time of fasting. Oh, man. You mean we're going to have to fast? We, it's not have to, it's we get to. We get to fast. Why did Jesus fast 40 days and 40 nights? And what, who hit him after his fast? Was he hungry? And if Jesus can handle it, if Jesus did it, what kind of fasting am I doing? Call the people together for a solemn meeting. Verse 16, gather all the people, the elders, the children, even the babies, and call the bridegroom from his quarters and the bride from her private room, and let the priest who minister in the Lord's presence stand and weep between the entry room to the temple and the altar. And let them pray. Spare your children, Lord. Don't let your special possession become an object of mockery. Don't let them become a joke. 
for unbelieving foreigners who say, has the God of Israel left them? I'll never forget the advice that my dad gave me. Because somebody hated my guts. So I told, went to my dad. And he said, son, guess what you get to do? What do you think he said? You get to go and have a four-eye conference. You need to lay your pride down and go. I didn't want to go. I didn't want to go. But I laid my pride down, and I'm thankful that I had a man in my life to tell me, son, you need to get rid of your pride. You need to get rid of your stubbornness. You need to get rid of your hard-headedness. You need to get rid of saying, that's the way I am. Because that doesn't cut it, does it? Because a submissive heart will say, Lord, here am I. Let's go. Let's do. Let's share. Let's love. Let's be compassionate. And let's obey the gospel. Let's submit. Let's have a, a re repentant heart. And there's that. That repentant heart is a confession. <clears throat> and God walked with me in that journey. Because I couldn't have done it. But I knew what my dad was saying was the truth because he was honest with me. And he knew what I needed to do. I knew what I needed to do, didn't I? But I was encouraged because somebody else said, here's what you get to do. It's not have to. You get to do it. Because the opportunity is there to build that relationship. And that's where it starts at the cross. When I confess that Jesus is Lord of my life and I'm baptized into Christ. Man, is that good news? Man, and he washes away my sins. And I don't have to look back at the trash. And I don't look back and I don't have to say, man, I'm living a life of regret. I'll never forget visiting a home. And they were ready to, to end it all. Ready. I'll never forget sitting on that chair. I can't take you there. All I can do is take you to that chair, but I can't. I can take you to that part of town. That's all I can do because it's a matter of moments that I remember. And watching that guy, that grown man in his 60s, cry, cry, and cry, and cry. And I didn't have any wisdom. I didn't have any wisdom. But I knew I could pray. And as I prayed, I listened to him cry. I don't know what happened. I don't know what happened. But I knew I did what I could do instead of saying, who's going to go? Who's going to show up? Are you? Will you? Will you show up and encourage a life today? Let's stand and sing.